episode because last week's episode that was scheduled with John Dinsdale did not go out on Monday because John had a, a scheduling issue that came up very shortly on him. We recorded it on Tuesday. We were both really tired, had a bunch of technical issues, and I haven't edited it yet. So in fact, today will be a triple bill of two great shows and a Noah show. What more could you want by little glorious Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana? How are you, sir? Good. Glad to be back. Talking some more Gleek. Can't be mad. And after this, we will be having the birthday boy himself, Mr. John Stinsdale, who's not here on a Sunday because it is actually his birthday. So happy birthday, John. Thank you for all the work you do for the Trooping Show. You're an yeah. awesome dude. Oh, shout out to John, man. Happy born day. There you go. So we're looking at Glate. We were in Osaka at the gloriously named Umeda Sky Building Stellar Hall in front of 253 people for, for version 32. And later, we would be at the Yokohama Radiant Hall. What a happy name for a building. Wouldn't you be happy going to a show at Radiant Hall? I would. But first of all, let us go to Osaka. Uh, the show opened with Issei Inetsuka losing to John Tonsho in 9 minutes and 53 seconds as the Strong Hearts man loses to the uh, 60 seconds man in a nice kind of singles match that opened the show. Get things moving. What did you think of this one, Marcus? I dug it. Like you said, it was a nice opener. Uh, two two young guys, I think, of the future in this company. Um, just having a, a, a real good back and forth. Um, that that could have went longer, honestly, but it you know they take up too much time. Did what it needed to do. Got to show off, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be the last time they clash. Uh, but it, it was uh, it was good. Just good solid stuff. Yeah, it definitely was. It was. Um... I love Tancho and I love Onitsuka as well. Onitsuka is kind of like the nuts and bolts guy of Strong Hearts. He's he's the lowest on the totem pole, if you will. That doesn't mean he's bad. No one in Strong Hearts is bad. He's really good. And Tancho is just exceptional. And it's kind of like it shows where they are in the company at the minute. But I think it's it could be one of those long-term rivalries, like you said. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had a bit of an interesting tag team match. Shigeru Iri and T-Hawk, uh, team from Strong Hearts, teamed up with Keiichi Sato. And they teamed against Quiet Storm from Bulk Orchestra, Soma Watanabe, the independent non-aligned wrestler, and Zeus, who's a long-time independent wrestler in Japan. Um, so it was kind of a mix of baby faces and heels tagging on either side. I, I think I said on Twitter earlier, I like the fact that Watanabe is tagging with Quiet Storm and Zeus. None of this, will they coexist? How can they get along business? You wrestle in this company or you starve. We stick you with who we stick you with. Go on with it. Which is a nice way of doing it. I liked it. And to be fair to Watanabe, his heel chops were there, distracting the referee at just the right time to allow his teammates to get away with murder. This was a bit weird, but it was a lot of fun. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Good stuff, good stuff all around. Uh, I'm blanking on the wrestler's name um, who was tagging in the in the mask on the last couple shows that we did. And I said he came in the, in the tag team matches and stole the show. Flamita. Flamita, there it is. Thank you. Yeah, yeah Flamita. That's what Zeus did here. 
You know, Zeus came out um, with the walking look of, like, uh, yeah, I've, I've, you know, yeah, your girl wants me and what? He had that look on his face. <laughs> he is not a, uh, a little man by any means, man. So he, he went straight after um, Hero and uh, was very much, you know, the immovable object in a lot of this match. I mean, it, for him to be able to, to double suplex E-Ray and T-Hawk, that is no small feat. No, no. He's a, he's a bit of a monster of a man, and he's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, he came out, I'm trying to remember where he was trained from. I looked him up earlier. Let me have a quick look again. Where are we? Um, he comes out of the... Ooh, who was he trained by? I did not got a listing of where he was trained by. He's 40 years old. He does not look 40 years old, let's be honest. No. He started off in the Osaka Pro promotion. There you go. He'd be a protege of um, your Super Dolphin and your... Um, uh, oh, Dick. <laughs> Dick from New Japan Pro Wrestling, his name is completely for good, completely blown out of my head. Ah! <laughs> Dick Togo, there you go. Be a protege of Dick Togo and uh, Super Dolphin. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, he's got quite the pedigree. And yeah, it was nice to see him in this particular match. Um, a bit of an odd one, but there you go. It was, uh, it was nice. Uh, Sato spent a lot of time screaming in this match, as he was one getting beaten up. But, you know. Yeah, taking a lot of... Yeah, he definitely took a lot of the punishment. And like I said, uh, they did good to keep uh, Eerie on the on the apron. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Zeus, yeah, this was a this was a Zeus highlight right here. He was. And it was clear that Zeus is the biggest of all the heels because even Watanabe and um, Quiet Storm were pumping up strong hearts to 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 have a a, um, a chop exchange with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, you know, because you know, vocal Kestrel was having enough, having uh, enough, having their hands full with their own people. This this, you know, <laughs> this show, so you know, yeah, yeah, it was nice for Quiet Storm to have a bit of a rest, really, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, let's get, let's move along. I'm trying to think of the next match. I'm just. Um, Trying to watch along as we go, so let's go. Next yes. up was our UWF rules match. Sichi Ikimoto and Yu Iska Ikimoto coming out on top in 8 minutes and 37 seconds. Iska is not a shoot stylist by any stretch of the imagination. And Iska is all shoot style. He's a, a Pancras guy. He's done a lot of work on the, the MMA side of things. He's a genuine badass, as we say. Um, and this was an interesting approach with the pro wrestler coming out slapping. Yeah. <laughs> Ikimoto definitely, yeah, you're saying he the, he was he's the he's the, the shoot guy. Um it came off like that. Um yeah. like it kinda it kinda came off and this is no shot um at uh you but he was it he it felt like he was out of his league. Yeah. Um because every everything he did he he tried to give as good as he got but like everything coming from Ikimoto was faster, harder and more disrespectful. <laughs> it really was and, and the, like I said the kid you know he got him a couple times but you know I don't it never felt like uh, Ikimoto was ever in any danger and when you know the kid tried to keep up the momentum coming off of that second that second fall or that or that second uh, point knockdown and ran up and got that kick I was like yeah it's a wrap but uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it was it felt, it felt like he got knocked out on his feet 
And then Iki just uh, did something else. But that was some beautiful trans- the submission transitions in this match from uh, Iki Moto. Uh, yeah. Really would love to see more of him. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, yeah, but it, it was it was good, man. It was a really, uh, really fun, uh, solid uh, eight minutes and 37 seconds, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I think so. I think this was a kind of a nice bridge between realism and pro wrestling. I think that is the thing with, with shoot fights like this. They tend to be very realistic because they're hitting each other quite hard. And Gleet has calmed down that as much because no one gets involved in shoot nights that are really stiff on a nightly basis. These are stiffer than a regular wrestling match, but they're nowhere near as stiff as you watch the shoot style wrestling of the 1990s, like UWF Vitacada and PWFG and those companies because no one can go at that speed. <laughs> you know, they were they were only running one show a month with really high price tickets because they couldn't, they would just, it was just a war of attrition on the roster if you don't. If you try and run like a regular wrestling schedule, there's a reason why like, you know, the World Heavyweight Boxing Champion only defends once every six months because they can yeah. only possibly take it once every six months. Yeah, and we, we know about them schedules in the, you know, 80s and dating back and that, and even in, in a lot of times in the 90s too, and it's just not conducive. You no. know, that style is not conducive. It, you know, there's there's nothing long-term about it, you know. You're going to no. burn out long before you even, you know, uh, really get a flame going, if you will. Yeah, so Glate has kind of cushioned down the impact, encouraged a less in-your-face product, which is actually more watchable because no one's getting a serious kick in, are they? You know, it, it's that though they, these slaps are really heavy as I'm watching Ikimura now just thundering yeah. off on him, teeing off on him, but they're not as like stiff as anywhere near as stiff as they could be. And they've kind of put the stress on submissions over strikes. Yeah. Submissions over strikes. And then, you know, obviously, like I said, this is a, this is a, a kind of good halfway point coming off of watching all the stuff from pure. Yeah. And then obviously you got the point system and everything. It just it just makes it, uh, like you said, it's a, it's a good medium between, you know, the wrestling of it all and and, and like real life believability, because this is kind of how it, it would go in a real fight if it was, I guess, uh, chaperoned, if you will, yeah. like you know, with the ref. So yeah, it, it was good. But like I said, you know, like I said, you did, did his thing, but you know. Yamoto was just, just on a different level. I mean, he's taking slaps from the kid on his back and talking to him at the same time. <laughs> it's, it's like he was coaching him while he was... <laughs> it, was it was weird. It's a very Muhammad Ali way approach to it. <laughs> very much. Uh, for those of you who don't get that reference, because you're wrestling fans and not boxing fans, when Muhammad Ali fought George Foreman at the Rumble in the Jungle, he took punches for three or four rounds. And at the end of the fourth round, he looked at George and said, you don't hit hard enough. <laughs> and George went crazy and punched himself out. And that's how Muhammad Ali won the title back at 32. Um, and this was kind of very, the disrespectful approach of this. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of where this match was, was good. And um, there was a bit of respect at the end on both parts, I think, in the end as well. Yeah, you slapped, okay. him again. you slapped him again for a sign of respect. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's that's a traditional Japanese thing. You know, if you slap your opponent, you're giving some of his fighting spirit or their fighting spirit to you. Antonio Inoki slapped a bunch of people during his retirement um, ceremony, as did Akira Hokuto. 
Um, she, she slapped Miko Satamora so hard she's been angry for the last 20 years. Um, <laughs> speaking of Miko Satamora, one of her proteges was in the next match in a fun little non gleety kind of thing. Seema wrestled Michiko Miyagi um, in kind of a handicap match. What they did was obviously Miyagi is a Joshi, Shima is a Puro. So Shima had three counts and Miyagi only had to get two counts. And that's how they worked it. And it was a fun match that lasted for 10 minutes. And Miyagi did not look one step slower than Seema all the way through this match. She obviously got outpowered. And she's not the aerial wrestler Shima is. But very few people on this planet are the aerial wrestler that Shima is. This was really fun to watch. It's not a great big serious wrestling match. But you can't have everything to be a great big serious wrestling match. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Yeah, it's, it's fun. Like, I, I, I really loved that. And I think that... Um... You know, I think I love definitely Doug the the last match um, for you know the idiosyncrasies of it, and then he also the technical prowess of it. And this one, like you said, this wasn't no you know Mac classic, but it didn't need to be like this. One of them times where the stipulation thoroughly worked all the way through, mm. and it ended up making just the the, the um, intergender of it even more like it made it work more. Like I don't think this will work in the states because. We don't have the the um, mature capacity to get over just the fact that it's a man versus a woman. Yeah. Over there. Um, but here it just made it work because people like when you look break down the wrestling mechanics, like, um, and, and they go back to you know like your boxing analogy. Obviously, you you know you get knocked down in boxing, you got a ten count to get up, and sometimes if it's not too hard of a knockout, you'll you'll kind of stretch the count to give yourself more of a rest. Yeah. Here. Seema didn't have no time to breathe like talking about it when he got hit with a move because obviously you're so conditioned as a performer to the three count and sometimes you'll stretch that one two and then you know do a you know a near fall but here it, you almost had to you had to almost constantly be on your legs like I have to kick out immediately which takes more power if you just took a big move so yeah that to me was like the brilliant part of it and like you said it's not like you know, it was such a wide gap. Miyagi was going just as hard as Seema. Um, so so it was good, you know. Yeah, I think this is the thing. It's just like, you can have it. I think this is the thing as far as, like, mainstream audiences are concerned. Like, GCW, uh, Alley Cat wrestles guys all the time. In death matches, in street fights, in regular matches. And the GCW crowd will buy into that because they're wrestling fans. And they know, uh, sorry, Alley Catch. Alley Catch is a great wrestler. Regardless if she's male or female, she is a bankable character they want to see in fights with all sorts of people. Um, and, you know, even like GCW yesterday, Session Moth Martina was wrestling Effie yesterday in a street fight. And they're fine with that. That's GCW. They're quite happy with that. But GCW is not, is a kind of wrestling nuts wrestling in company. And that's fine, man. We're wrestling not. And I enjoy GCW from time to time. But well, you can't, I don't think the, uh, a certain way, impact wrestling intergender works fine because the audience has accepted it because you've had people like Jordan Grace who are just as powerful, if not more powerful than most of the men on the roster. And then you've got people like, in that, so they get it. WWE fans won't ever get it. But then again, WWE aren't interested. The closest you're going to get is Mixed Match Challenge if they ever run that again. Yeah. But AEW is kind of the nether world of where it could work. And actually, I thought with um, 
Taya and Sammy being the AAA intergender tag team champions, we might get a bit more of it. I think there's been a couple of defense, title defenses on Dark. Um, but I don't know. I th- it's difficult to say with intergender, but this is kind of a nice halfway house. Because like in DDT, women wrestle men all the time. And, but DDT is a different animal because it's got different kinds of fans who aren't necessarily straight up and down wrestling fans. There are fans of DDT who are just DDT fans. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's like I said. I think this this you made it. Like I said, it's the mechanics of it, the elevator mechanics of it that made it work for me because yeah, you can actually with the stipulation you you can if you want if you choose to yeah, uh, uh, you can focus on the mechanics more because like I said, you're so conditioned to the three count, you almost have to always be thinking and reminding yourself like yeah. the minute she gets on top of me, I have to you know. Had to get out of this, so it's uh, it it almost makes it you know I'd actually like to see more of this because it it, it evens the playing field for for the for the women. Yeah, yeah, so, I, I think and, so as well. And, I think, and Japan, they're just as talented as the men anyway. So yeah, I think that's what I think as well is just like it kind of Glate does take itself seriously in certain matches, yeah. and it doesn't detract from that for their fan base. I think you know. It's it's a bit different to like DDT where Maki you know, can go and pin men and people don't bat an eyelid, you know, because she's Maki Ito and she's a big star and you know people are caught up in the moment of the match and therefore they get taken with them and it's really well booked and well organized to understand that story. But I think a well a lot of it is because of you know people consider. It, violence against women but it depends entirely on how you pitch wrestling matches because wrestling matches aren't supposed to be necessarily violent <laughs> you know yeah. if you watched world of sport in the 1970s you wouldn't necessarily call it violent it wasn't always big impact hard-hitting matches and this match isn't violent in any stretch there's some fun spots with the the whip from the country whipping match a few years a few months ago but that's about it, and that's not really violent. It's just a bit of harmless fun. Seema is not beating up a woman. He's wrestling her, and I think that's the difference, isn't it? No, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> she got her uh, She got a little bit measure of uh, uh, consolation prize after the match. Which... <laughs> <laughs> she got a roll-up pin in the, the post-match interview as Seema was putting her over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ran out the ring like, like he was on... Uh, Standing on the stage at prom and had a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> it was fun, dude. you know. Glee does not shy, you know, does not shy away from fun. We also see a lot of it coming out of, I think, Boca Orchestra. Um, and coming up on their second show, they really took it to some interesting places with one particular match. Um, but yeah, this was this was this was fun. Like I said, the, the elevator mechanics made it, you know, made me tune in more to the match because you had to. Yeah, definitely. We did actually miss something from the end of the first match, and I'm just skipping back because I was trying to remember where it happened. But at the end of the first match, there was the post-match interview uh, between the two wrestlers, Tonsho and, and Itsuka. But then after the match, we had an invasion. Um, and I'm just getting to the point where the invasion happens. Here we go. The invasion was from... Uh, Scoot back a bit. Gone too far. That's the beginning of the match. The invasion was from... Someone whose name is going to come pop up in my screen in a second. <laughs> but he's from Dragon Gate, and I'm trying to find the bit where his name comes up on the screen. Where did it go? 
because I can't, there we go, hang on, there we go, I can't remember. Because it only flashes on the screen for a second. It'd be nice if it was longer than that, guys. Mr. Suzuki, who retweets this show on a regular basis. Um, they also yeah. understand now where they just put up their handles for Twitter, and it's small, yeah. and it's like, just do the, just put their names, please, like you were doing before. Yeah. That's it. I'm going to have to scoot through this one click at a time. Oh, yeah. Katsu Ishida. There we go. Kato Ishida, who's formerly of Dragon Gate, um, attacked John Tonsho. Which is again, they're getting a lot of obviously ex Dragon Gate talent um, joining. We talked last last time about uh, someone who's appearing in the next card, um, and it's intriguing to me that they are slowly picking up talent that they weren't getting before. If that makes sense. That was good. I mean, it's 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 further proof of the momentum that they're getting. Um, speaking, you know, talking about somebody from Dragon Gate, my guy, who obviously is a new Japan. Uh, Pillar now has become one. I, I'd like to see uh, my boy uh, Takagi pass through Glee. Yeah. I think that'll be fun. And maybe, maybe you know, have a one-off with El Linderman. That'll be great. That would be fantastic. I mean, there's... Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's lots of opportunities, I think. And I think it's... Um, there's a lot more crossover going on right now, and especially on these two cards, because we've got a tag team match coming from uh, another federation to talk about on the next card. There's yeah. loads of stuff going on within Glate that's um, just a bit different. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons that makes it stand out as a company. Let's just move on, though, to the semi-final. Minoru Tanaka and Takora Takanora Ito, two of our faves, uh, defeated the G-Rex champion, El Lindemann and Kaz Hayashi. And notably, it was Ito that got the win with that avalanche German on El Lindemann. Um, Hayashi was great in this match so was Tanaka arguably it could have been Tanaka's kick to the face that won this match but that's what set off the, the um, Avalanche German for Ito but this was wonderful and it clearly sets up as Ito as a challenger to El Lindemann which I'm sure you're very happy about Marcus Oh absolutely um, you know again never get tired of seeing that beautiful bridge in German that he holds for the camera after the fact <laughs> Brilliant. But yeah, this was fun. I mean, my only one big note from this match is miscommunications abound. Um, <laughs> which made it even more fun. And I could appreciate it um, in this setting because brilliantly, and, and it was really simple, they didn't let it um, stop the momentum of the match. They kept going because it's like, obviously, I wasn't intentionally trying to kick you. You were holding. <laughs> so my, <laughs> it's like, oh my God, you kicked me. We feud now. Ah, I'm like, really? Like, I just, it, it, it's, it's consistently stupid over here in, uh, in the States, but here it didn't stop the flow. Uh, but like you said, it could have definitely changed the, the, the ending of the match a couple of times. So, um, but like you said, this, this perfectly sets up a boy Edo to, uh, to go against Lindemann. Who, speaking of Lindemann, is that, a, is that a new belt design he got, or is, is I was just not paying attention? I insist that, no, it's the same belt design. Okay. Yeah, just maybe a different angle, I would think. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, no, it's just this was great. Love this match, and it does set things up nicely. I would, I would really watch Tikanarito wrestle anyone, to be honest with you. But um, him and Al Lindemann is like the perfect junior versus heavyweight because you know Lindemann's on a roll and he's like been the champ and he's beaten all comers, and so now he needs a monster to really cement himself 
at the top of the card, and that's been that's Ito, and he's a good good choice. Win or lose or draw, it's good for the company, in my opinion. So there we go. Absolutely. The main event was the very first defense of the G Infinity Tag Team Championships as Bulk Orchestra, Kazuma Sakamoto and Ryuichi Kawakami defended their championships against Bulk Orchestra, Czech Shimitani and Haitu Tamura as one tag team in Bulk Orchestra let another tag team in Bulk Orchestra challenge for the championships and they lost them. They probably ruined themselves for doing that, but there you go. Shimitani and Tamora took the belts in uh, 18 minutes and 14 seconds of a really good tag team match. There was a lot of fun, a lot of back and forth, just kind of a good wrestling match, which kind of showcased how talented Bulk Orchestra are without all the trimmings, because everybody was on side for this one. What did you think of this one, Marcus? I got a ball turn from you, man. This was a corker for me. Yeah. Um, this was this was just good. Like the best compliment I could give this match was I was cheering. Uh, for Shimatani and Tamora, like they were strong hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, these guys are going after these titles like they don't even know the other two guys over here. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. And like you said, you take away the trimmings, and, and there's some entertaining trimmings that come with book, book orchestra. But these guys, like we said, they're the mountain and, and glee, man. All those guys can go out there, all no slackers, they all know. You know that they really, even though this was a uh, another team, this this wasn't the B team. Um, you know, and they proved it here. I mean, it, it came down to the wire with a with a beautiful pin. Uh, I think it was on Sakamoto, if I'm not mistaken. It was it mm-hmm. was great. Um, yeah, they they could have. This was a this was this would have got a well deserved fight for Elva Champ. Yeah, definitely. This is. It's just a solid outing, a solid tag team match, and Glate has some great tag teams. We kind of stress on the fact that it's a lot of singles wrestlers, but they're all really, really good. <laughs> they, 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 great. Um, yeah, yeah. Just loving it, and and oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and now I can fully one hundred percent distinguish Shimatani because he's uh, I call him uh, Pex McGee. <laughs> <laughs> Catch him standing and he's not jumping his pecs, he's off. Like he's having a bad <laughs> He's like he's like the Terror Cruz of Glee. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Um at the end of that match we had a bit of a powwow between all the factions, as they all had a bit of an argument about who's gonna be the next to challenges to the tag team championships, which didn't really resolve anything, but got everybody in front of the camera. And amazingly, there was no fight at the end, which was nice. Oh, that was good. I don't think you almost would have soured how good of a tag match that was. I mean, obviously, I think, you know, Bork Orchestra was both soured and happy at the same time. <laughs> obviously, we dropped them. I mean, it was it was basically an in-house title match. So you can't be you can't be too mad. And they congratulated them. And, you know, it was a well-earned victory. And then, obviously, the good guys, if you will, came out and was like, well, y'all know we got next, right? We <laughs> <laughs> We're not just gonna have y'all having a bunch of in-house matches all you know all year. So now, what do you think this is? Oz Academy? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Even though I'm pretty sure they could, they they obviously I think they could run that back and be fine. But that's another great thing too. You immediately have challengers after yeah. a lot of these matches, which is which is great because that shows that it's a healthy, you know, healthy division. Uh, you know, from from both singles, the the women's do it, and then obviously with the tag. And Lindemann's totaling that short on Challenger. So it's, it's it's healthy from the top of the card to the bottom, which, again, continues, to, you know, uh, when you see 
them, like you said, doing crossover and bringing guys in. That's that's all a part of that momentum. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. For those of you who didn't get my reference, Oz Academy, uh, the Hontai group in Oz Academy, the hometown team, once had a group that you could only challenge for the um, uh, Oz Open Women's Championship if you were in the Hontai group. <laughs> so yeah. people had to join the Hontai group to win. <laughs> uh, that backfired on them when one of the baby faces joined just to win the championship and then wouldn't then that's, yeah, that's, that, that's a great recruiting trick until it isn't <laughs> <laughs> but she had to remain in she had to remain in Oz Academy and like it ended up being this massive feud that lasted for two years which of course ended with hair versus hair death match because it has to <laughs> yeah, as you do yeah as you do that's, it's Joshy, and that's the way it goes. Anyway, uh, where are we? we? Move on to Glate 33, and we are indeed at Yokohama Radiant Hall in front of 189 people. There were some well-dressed young women in this particular crowd. That was a bit high fashion, if you will, for a wrestling show that I'm not used to. <laughs> no, some good stuff. Good looking. Yeah, there was. There was a lot. There was a lot of. Um, a lot of high heels and, and floor-length gowns, which isn't, you know, what I'm necessarily used to at a professional wrestling show. Yeah, and sometimes, and obviously because we're, we're not there, we're, you know, you're viewing through the screen, sometimes a lot of these places look inherently hot. Yes. So, you know, uh, you, you, would, you would hope that they're obviously well-conditioned, uh, air-conditioned, if you will, but obviously I think, you know, a lot of these gyms and stuff look inherently hot, and obviously it's going to feel that way with these, you know, big, hulking guys uh slapping me <laughs> shout out to big e but uh <laughs> but uh yeah i mean this was a well-dressed crowd i don't know i don't know if everybody was out on a date or you know this was well <laughs> but you know you got to appreciate a well a respectful well well-dressed crowd indeed and we opened with a bork orchestra match kazuma sakimoto quiet storm rochi kawakami going up against ayoto yoshida oji shiba and shigehiro iri 12 minutes and 44 seconds Again, you, your average glee opening match, let's have a go, kind of high-intensity tag team match to get things kicked off and send, get the fans riled up. Baby faces versus heels, all the all the trimmings, if you will. What did you think of this one, Marcus? No, like you said, just good opener. Both Bo- Orchestra does what Bo- Orchestra does. Um, you know, this was uh, probably me getting... Firstly, getting used to, you know, Yoshida and, and OG officer, Shingare is a, is a, you know, he's the guy. But, you know, um, that was a unique combination to take against um Orchestra, who have an endless amount of, of combinations. But they was, you know, it's funny because it's like they're coming off a loss. It's like, but did they, though? Did they, you know, they come off. <laughs> you know, that's, 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 a, that's a good looking L. But, um, yeah, this is, this is like 12 minutes, 44 seconds. You know, these six mans are always fun. Um, and like you said, it was, it was a good open. Yeah, that's it. Also, I'm, I'm watching this as we're talking about it because this is a fun match. This is really cool. If you look on the official Gleet YouTube when you're doing the top relay chat, there's a chat you can chat along with people. And Gleet on their official YouTube channel said, when you post a screenshot or GIF or an SMS, please be sure to include the URL of the original video. So they're quite happy for you to post GIFs and screenshots of this show. So do, but always like tag the original YouTube because we want more people to watch Glee. But that's the thing that's missing from a lot of things that's going on in New Japan Pro Wrestling right now is 
the lack of buzz because of the lack of things like gifts. So if you want to make this company grow, you yeah. make some gifts and tag them in it because they're really cool people. They will retweet you ad infinitum. All of the wrestlers retweet the stuff we send them. All of the front office guys do as well. They want the company to grow, and we do too. So um, yeah, make some gifts if you want to make yeah. some gifts. And if I mean there are there are channels and, and pages dedicated in in the way to New Japan that does that, but oftentimes you won't necessarily see it heavy unless uh, you know back in the day, if you will, doing Shibata's Prime. Yeah. Or when Bullet Club was uh, thick and, and really wild up, if you will, uh, just for the sake of when they, you know, doing their yearly turns or whatever. Uh, but yeah, and hopefully Glee keep this, keep this, you know, like I keep saying in in this uh, recording, this momentum uh, and keep that uh, transparency with the fans because, you, you know, it's all about growth and, you know, people don't like to, because when people post gifts and pictures and stuff for your company, they are into your company. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, if you get on get on the internet and they get blocked, that turns people off. Yeah. So you know, hopefully, like, you know, like you said, they don't just you know keep that energy to build it. They they continue that. So. Yeah, that's it. It's um, it's yeah, it's just just common sense, really. But yeah. it does help the Glater not beholden to a television company, so they Absolutely. can get away with a bit more. And I think a lot of the trouble with New Japan stuff isn't it isn't Glater, it isn't New Japan's issue. It's um. The TV company that owns New Japan's issue more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where are we? Right. Let's just move on. Uh, the second match was a shoot style UWFI rules match. Michiko Miyagi against Maya Fukuda, the youngest member of the Glate roster and the newest trainee uh, out of the Glate dojo, coming up against uh, the senior women's wrestler. Uh, for us, it was chance for Michiko Miyagi to win a match. <laughs> Which she doesn't Man. do very often. Um, uh, but again, again, going up against Fukuoka, who is actually a badass shooter, that wasn't necessarily a given. Um, but she is the least experienced, and she is like you know six inches shorter and giving away about twenty pounds. So odds yeah. were, yeah. <laughs> acknowledge the facts. <laughs> facts. Yeah. yeah, and uh, you know, because um, I will say that Miyagi is looking a lot more comfortable as a shoot-style wrestler, I think. Because she no, did yeah. look awfully awkward as a shoot-style wrestler. And now she looks like much more at home. Not saying she couldn't do the moves and stuff, but she didn't look flowing and smooth. And in this fight, she definitely does. And I don't know if that was a story she was trying to tell of like her refining her style. But in this match, there was no... like forgetting about the rules. There was no going for heel hooks. She just used the skills she has as the best she possibly could. Yeah, man. And maybe, you know, maybe we'll have a different outlook on that uh, if she gets a, in a, an opponent that's kind of neck and neck with her. Um, and that, that wasn't a short uh, shot at, at Fukuda. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, she not standing next to Miyagi because, like I said, I already know she's devastating. Um, she's brilliant. Like, when she did those those poses... Yeah, uh, yeah. She's in the ring. I'm like, this girl is badass. But then you have to think, stop, and, and look across the ring. And like, but she's about to face a real badass. But then it's also it's like, but she's about to face a losing streak badass. Um, <laughs> she took the win and took it definitively in short order, mind you. Yeah, um, five minutes. It it felt really good to see her get a win because in all these shows, obviously me jumping in the glee, 
thanks to thanks to you, James. It, it you know I'm like this girl is like killing it in these matches, but she's losing it a lot. Um, so hopefully this is just a start. Um, like you said, she becomes more comfortable in these UWF matches because I think this could um, not be the only thing she does, but this could be a good niche if she continues this. Obviously elevate the opponents. Um, but yeah, she she looked like you said she looked good. And she looked comfortable, you know. Yeah, I mean it's, it's like she doesn't still doesn't look comfortable with strikes, but as soon as she gets on the mat, she's there. Yeah, you know, and you know that like growing up in a Sendai girls dojo, she's going to spend a lot of time working the mat because that's what they do. You know, there you look at all the great wrestlers that came out of the Sendai dojo, um, like Miyagi, obviously Satomura, who's led that dojo for so long. Kigetsu is another great back wrestler as well. Um, that's that's what they do. They do it really, really well. And um, um, oh yeah, there was some news from Kigetsu. Um, for those of you who remember Kigetsu, she was kind of top heel in Stardom, leader of Odeo Tai for a long while, former protege of um, uh, Mako Satomura. She is. Oh, sorry, they are transitioning at the moment and have said that they might be doing some wrestling stuff soon even though they've retired really from wrestling uh they are talking about um getting into um doing some stuff somewhere <laughs> put it that way um but yeah i thought that was a, a the fact that they've come out loud about come out to that um out um in what is still a fairly traditional kind of environment in pro wrestling and even in Japan, which has got some colorful and interesting characters, shall we say, um, coming out as a transgender person is necessarily uh, the thing to do, shall we say, in certain circles. I'm sure the fans love her, love them for it um, and for them will be ultra supportive because Kadesu, Kigetsu is awesome. The artist formerly known as Kigetsu, I should say. Uh, they don't want to go by that name, and they haven't released a public name yet, I don't think. I'll have to look into that. But I thought it was an interesting story to tell. Anyway, shall we move on to the next match, which was Shima and Kazayashi versus Gabi Jishan and Maso Inoue. This will be your first time watching Gabi Jishan, <laughs> which is a bizarre um, yeah, thing. A hell of an introduction, I'll tell you that. Yes, I didn't tell you about this because I only realized when I was watching it myself and I was like, oh, I wonder how Mark is going to deal with this. Let, let's let's deal with the elephant in the room, which is Gabi Shan. What do you think? Um, I thought that somebody took Yano and <laughs> to put him in a time machine and aged him up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, he, and he was still up there shenanigans, but far, far slower. Uh, yeah, I mean... I think honestly, bare bones, right down to the to the to the uh, foundations of it. Not my particular cup of tea. A little too slow for me. A little too, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, it's the minutia of it all. Like I, you know, I, I didn't come to a certain uh, taste, if you will. If Gleet's a restaurant, I'm used to a certain type of way the foods prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Like you, you know, you bring me this weird dish on the eve of my daughter's birthday. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it was it was interesting. I, I give it that. Like I said, it, it's great to know that that you you still, much like other companies we've seen and talked about, um, you know, you do get a little bit of everything with Glee, and this was 
This was a little bit of everything for sure. <laughs> I will say I did, you know, sit down just to look at like how he executed all this with this particular thing. And it was fun and it was interesting. Everybody was, you know, playing along. Because if so, if you got guys in there that's not going along with the whole thing, you could ruin it. And obviously there was certain gears that got kicked in certain times. So it was interesting. But just I, I think this is not something I could watch on a regular basis. But I did appreciate it for existing, if that makes sense. There you go. That's fair enough. Yeah, again, for those of you who don't know, I should explain the character of Gabby Chi-Chan. Um, Gabby Chi-Chan is played by a wrestler um, who was originally known as Psycho. <laughs> which is a bit different as you can probably imagine he was trained by Takamichi Naoko and he was a high flying technical wrestler but obviously as you get older you kind of got to go with what develop your character and he developed the Gabba Chan character about seven or eight years ago I think a bit longer than that maybe and he's wrestled as that on the independent circuit I've seen him in all sorts of matches especially on Joshi shows and stuff because he's just a bit different he's a bit of an attraction he's a bit of an entertaining wrestler and he's the wrestler who is a masked wrestler who puppets himself to be 80 years old. And he comes to the cane, comes to the ring carrying a cane. He has a high-vis strip around his um, waist to make sure he doesn't get run over. <laughs> and then um, it's what you expect. Like the ref has to help him into the ring because he can't get his foot up on the, 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 the stand. He'll fall over and just fall asleep in the middle of the ring. He'll use the walking cane to help double leg people. It's, it's just a shtick and it's fun and it's never going to be like the best thing in the world. But Shima and Kazayashi are the perfect guys to do it with because they get it and it's supposed to make it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be it's not supposed to be a proper wrestling match. It's supposed to be something that's just a bit of fun. Um, and that's what this is. I know, Marcus, you're a, kind of an appreciator of things that are a little more serious, <laughs> yeah. as a comic aside. Yeah, I mean, I can, you know, I appreciate those skills. I, also, I don't think it, it, it didn't it didn't help that I was on the clock as well. So I'm like, yo, man, <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, man, somebody come get your grandpa. <laughs> Put him on the sidewalk, man. <laughs> got to get to the job here, man. I got to get to James. Got to got to do a gig. But uh, yeah, like I said. Um, well, one thing I always appreciate, particularly when wrestlers, uh, in wrestling, I should say, even if it's like going back to a gimmick that is as ridiculous as when we seen Angelina Love being being that that slave to winter, that non blinking slave. Yeah. Um, I always appreciate commitment to the gimmick. Oh yeah. Like, you got to you got to you got to commit. You're gonna do this. You got to go full tilt. And this guy goes full tilt. <laughs> so I, I definitely, you know, like I said, it's not necessarily my cup of tea, particularly on any regular basis, but I, I did appreciate it. Like yeah, I that's... said, Shima and Hayashi was the perfect guys to do it with because even after the match, they were still up to the shenanigans. <laughs> exactly. This is it. I mean, he's, he's just getting the crowd to clap along really slowly because he's old. And of course, he's going to get them to clap along really slowly. And they go for a Greco Roman knuckle lock and then. Yeah, because he can only do it one hand because he's still using his cane. Using his cane to leave away his lock and then going behind really slowly. It's just, it's just that fun. Yeah, I will say I did do a mild pop when he was uh did the rope walk with the cane. That was, yes. That was... <laughs> <laughs> then lost his balance when she took yeah. the cane away. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's great. Right, next up we got a tag team match. Check Shimitani, Hayato Tamura, your current 
Gfinity Tag Team Champions went up against Masato Kamino and Takanori Ito um, when Kamino lost, well, got pinned. Masato Kamino, I have to say, has a cracking mullet of the highest order. Um, it's exceptional, layered and feathered. Can't go wrong. I mean, look, we got the we got the kid. Trade the troop in the show. You know, we are you know our long time listeners know we are hair enthusiasts here, and we do not just let it let it leave it alone in New Japan. Um, Gleet has some phenomenal uh, you know hair as well. You know, it's it's a lot of good bangs on this show. Oh yeah. You know, like James, as do I appreciate a good mullet. Uh, we got some mohawks, hawks, <laughs> all that. It, it's a mixture. It's all throughout. We got some nice fades. It's it's a plethora. You know, it we is. probably just talk, probably don't talk about it as much as we should. No, uh, true. You know, but uh, yeah, you you got you got to stop and appreciate it. A smorgasbord, if you will, of um, wrestle hair. Because not only are they bringing back great wrestling from the '90s, they're also bringing back great haircuts from the '90s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think they will reach the full mullet extravaganza that was the FMW roster in the 1990s because, you know, Tarzan Goto by himself was an entire roster of mullets during the 1990s. Um, but yes, the hair is corking in this particular promotion. Um, but yes, getting back to the match, this was a lot of fun and your new tag team champions um, kind of needed a win to cement their uh, dominance over the division even if it was a kind of a hand-together team. The only kind of thing I kind of like riled against is this Ito beats Lindemann at one show, and then the next show is on the losing end of a tag match, which seems a bit weird from a booking point of view. Any style of booking, you kind of want to keep him hot for a while. Well, having said that, there's nothing wrong with the match, but you also had tag team champions to keep hot too. So then don't put Ito on the card. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong. I wonder if they would have won another way had he had a different partner. Yeah. You know, yeah. if he was tagging with, you know, a uh, guy, you know, he's done the tags with, um, if they would have went a different way. Because um, obviously you could set him up for, a, you know, double feature. And I don't know how many, I don't know if they do this where they have guys. That, I feel like they've done it with Boko Kessler, but maybe that's just because they got so many guys. I don't know if they've had guys wrestle twice in one night. Yeah, you yeah. Could, you could set Ito up for, you know, a tag team title and obviously, you know, uh, to go against Lindemann for the title as well. So maybe they're interested in that. Yeah, but like you said, Boko Kestra, you know, Czech and Hayato look look great. Like you said, they needed to cement that win. Um, and they definitely needed to cement the win against somebody who wasn't home team. Uh, but you like you said, you also could have because they do have a you know a roster of tag teams as well. You could have put Ito out of this position. Yeah. I think this is the yeah. <laughs> not the best booking. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that um uh Camino was great and I and I love that destroyer um uh iron vice grip drop yeah. deal. That was cool. That was a nice finisher. And of course the mullet. But um bringing in a guest just to get pinned is also is also a bit dodgy as well. But and I, they were working with it. They made the mechanics of it was a bit rum, but it worked and the match was not bad. Yeah. Yeah. So next up, we have an all-Asian tag team championship match featuring Voodoo Murders, Minoru Tanaka and Toshizo uh, successfully then pending against Son Watanabe and Yuiska in 16 minutes and 43 seconds. For those of you who don't know, the all-Asian tag team championships is one of the oldest belts currently active in Japan. 
originally founded in the JWA in 1963. It has been, it was originally a PWF championship um, and then, became, well, it still is a PWF championship, I suppose. The PWF doesn't really exist anymore. That's the governing body of all Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, it's been held by incredible teams down the years. Can-Am Connection, um, uh, the British Bruisers, um, loads of great teams have held this. It seems they're stepping down to the Tag Team Championship. And on this particular occasion, Minoru Suzuki and Toshizo, who are part of the long-term faction, Voodoo Murders, have been one of the big peel teams in North Japan for a long time, like nine or 20 years or so, go up against the hometown boys, Sumo Watanabe and Yuizuka, uh, in a really interesting tag team match. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? So I muted myself. Absolutely, and I'm glad you gave me that history lesson because I saw those tiles. I was like, wow, they look really um, old. <laughs> that, but they also looked, um, you know, like old and aged in a good way. Like, yeah, um, yeah, they had, a, they had a classic feel to them. Yeah. Um, so that was that was cool. I had to think because I, it's but I'm like I don't have James here to ask because. When the referee held it up, I'm like, is it just one title between the two of them? I didn't say that he didn't know. That. <laughs> but um, no. yeah, it was uh it, it was fun. Minoru is you know, he's that guy and Toshizo, um, you know, very much intimidating by aesthetic and then backed it up in the ring and Watanabe and you are not a team to take lightly and they didn't, you know, almost seventeen minutes. This was a fun affair and it could have went a different way. But uh uh champs retained and that 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 Lineage continues in voodoo murders. Come on, man. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's brilliant. Um, yes, I'm trying to think who was one of the biggest names. Oh, um, Umaga from WWE, who's sadly no longer with us. Nice. He was one of the founding members of Voodoo Murders in all Japan. Nice. Yeah. Um, just to give you a quick history of the uh, all Asian tag team titles, I was actually wrong. It was founded in 1955, the inaugural champions were King Kong Zaya and Tiger Joginder Singh, and they defeated Ricky Dozan and Harold Oddjob Sakata in two out of three falls uh, in 1955 in Tokyo. And just to name some others, Giant Baba, Eddie Graham, Killer Carl Cox, Antonio Inoki, obviously, Klondike Bill, School Murphy, um, the American School Murphy, not the British one, Great Kajika, um, Animal Hamaguchi, who of course trained um, Evil and trained Shingo Takagi. Uh, who else? David and Kerubin Von Erich. Uh, the Mighty Inoue, he's won that championship. Super Strong Machine, My, uh, Mighty Inoue won it more than once. <laughs> <laughs> Toshiaki Kawada, uh, Doug Furness and Don Krafa, uh, Kenta Kabashi and Tiger Mask. That's uh, obviously um, Kenta Kabashi and Masawa. Uh, Johnny Ace, of course. Uh, John Laurinaitis um, of WWE, thankfully no longer talent management fame. Yonekiyama, um, Misawa and Ogawa. Uh, yeah, just a, a who's who of professional wrestling in Japan and worldwide. Minoru Suzuki and Nosau Rugongai has a tag team for you, the current booker of Noah <laughs> and Minoru Suzuki. Good Lord. So, yeah, there's been some big names for held those titles down the years, and they're an important fixture of all Japan Pro Wrestling. So it was great to see him defended on a great show. Minoru Tanaka is a part-time member of Voodoo Murders in all Japan, as well as being the chief technical advisor to the UWFI Ledette in this company, as well as being a wrestler for Glate as well. He's a busy boy these days. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, why he's always drinking. 
Oh. <laughs> Water. <laughs> oh, but yeah, uh, this was like I said, this was fun. I could definitely run this back. I hope to actually see these, uh, um, you know, very good looking, very long lineage titles um, defending more on the show. You know, because uh, like you said, the, the the tag teams are budding, and obviously, what we've seen from the last match, they can uh, put together a unique combination real quick um, to to put a uh, go for the title. So I hope to see more of this. And, and obviously, like you said, I mean, the great thing about Lenore, you could have him in a in a singles match, you could have him in in a UFW rules match, and then you could throw him in a tag match. So you kind of like that all-purpose, yeah, yeah, which is great. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do believe, I'm not spoiling it for anyone on this show because we don't watch All Japan very regularly. Unfortunately, uh, according to Twitter that I was reading this morning, Minoru and Toshizu lost them. Uh, but here we go. <laughs> yeah. let, me just, uh, let me just check that on your venerable cage match there, the All Asian Tag Team Championship. They lost them this morning on the 50th anniversary show. Yeah, mm. to Dan Tamora and Hikiro Sato. So there you go. Can't have everything. We saw Dan Tamora on the last Glade show, they didn't. So there you go. We know who he is. Anyway, let us move on to the main event. 60 seconds. John Tonsho, Kichu Sato, and Tetsuya Iska defeated Stronghearts, El Lindemann, Issei Initsaka, and T-Hawk in 14 minutes and 43 seconds of just a really good wrestling match. It was just kind of blow them out the water wrestling. It was it was high spot wrestling. It was lots of things Jim Cornette wouldn't like wrestling. And that's what I like about it. <laughs> let's till, till the day the man is no longer with us let's continue to do things he doesn't like um, <laughs> happy birthday Jim yeah, thank, you. <laughs> thank you screw you bye yeah <laughs> uh, yeah but this is uh, yeah man this is this is Glee's best you know uh, some of Glee's best because you know this uh, Bull Orchestra was not in the main event uh, uh, <laughs> uh, this time but uh, this, yeah this is some of the best I mean this is Really, you line these guys, you, you put Lindemann in one corner, you line all these guys up, all these guys could be contenders for the title. Oh, yeah. Um, and w- which, again, is great. Uh, but, you know, this was this is just this was just fun. You know, the gas, everybody took their foot off the gas. This was just great. This was almost uh, 15 minutes, 15, you know, 14 minutes, 43 seconds well spent. And uh, this was just good stuff, man, just good stuff all around. You watch these, for these type of matches. I think since I've been watching Glate, this is the closest to a Dragon Gate style match I've seen where it's just like nonstop go yeah. for 15 minutes. You know, I mean, there's a bit of a feeling out stage, but they really do not slow down. Yeah. And um, that's kind of what Strong Hearts have been about throughout their careers. And 60 seconds are quite a, one of the teams that can go with them at that speed. And this was just so much fun to watch. And, you know, they've got to let 60 seconds have some time up, get up ahead because they're the young rising stars. You've got to have people, they've got to be believable winners at some point. Um, and they keep getting stronger as a unit, as a team. And that's really important for the long-term draw of the company. It can't just always be Volk Orchestra and Strong Hearts because things will dry up pretty quickly, won't they? Oh, absolutely. So there you go. Um and then, uh, of course, at the end of the show, we had another drama. <laughs> more uh, ramifications between. Um, oh, what's his name? <laughs> oh, this is the thing. He isn't in my head it's yet. Not, it's not T Hawk, is it? Easy. No, no. It was the guy who came on in the first show, but whose name's where are we? 
Keito Ishida, that's it. Yeah, Keito Ishida came on at the end of the show to challenge John Tonsho again. Um, and that looks like setting up for the next next main main matches, next series of matches, which is what Glate do really well. It is a mini soap opera. It's not as like angle led as say AEW or WWE, but there's enough angle for the non-Japanese wrestling fan to understand without having to have translations and commentary tell you. And that is unfortunately where we lost Marcus. As his line just dropped dead, and I have not heard from him since for about the last half hour. So I best wrap the show up by myself. My name is James Troop, and you can find me at Sheriff Lone Star. You can find the show at Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us uh, on Patreon, The Troopany Show, and on Facebook, The Troopany Show, where you can keep The Troopany Show free forever for everyone. He was Marcus Green. You can find him at Paradox Kid. Lots of his writing all over the internet, and he's a usual, a regular guest on The Troopany Show. Now, on the other side of this jingle, we'll be talking to John Dinsdale about Noah and the incredible show that they put on a couple of weeks ago. Take care, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye! Hello, welcome to the Troopany Show. My name's James Troopany. This is my show. John didn't think I could do that twice. I did it once before, and it didn't work properly. It did work properly that time. And as you can hear, he thought I didn't have the energy to do it. But no, I can do the energy. Because I'm wired awake on my new job, which has given me 14-hour days and hours of driving. <gasps> I and need so much coffee day. just to get through on a day where I'm not doing all that much. Yeah, no, I have found bits of Lincolnshire I didn't know existed. <laughs> <laughs> Long Bennington. Yeah, anyway. Um, and seen some epically bad driving as well. Because when you drive more, you see terrible driving all over the place. I'm sure I've made mistakes, and I one should not. A person in glass houses should not throw stones. But there was at least three vehicles came on my side of the road on the drive here today. Christ. <laughs> but anywho, let us talk wrestling. Today, we're at the Edion Arena in Osaka. 2,988 people in attendance. Not for a New Japan Pro Wrestling show which would be a good number for a New Japan Pro Wrestling show because they haven't drawn that many at Edian Arena this year. No, we're talking Pro Wrestling Noah for the Noah N1 Victory 2022 Grand Final, one of the epic events of Noah. We haven't looked at Noah for a while. We looked at Noah about two months ago when uh, left, thankfully. And uh, we got back on to Noah a little bit um, this week because it was the big show. We didn't do the N1 with a Today app because it was often at the same time as the G1. And I just couldn't watch that much wrestling at the same time. Um, I might do one year. I might, but I'm not going to give up on the G1 because it's too important and people like it too much. So I'm just, I'm actually looking here. Just looking at crowds. Uh, Eddie and Arena. New Japan did their Golden Series there. They got 2,625 people in there. Uh, G1 night. Oh, you have got to be kidding me. G1 was the biggest show. Just. Oh, that Despi Kasai match had a knife board. All right. Can you stop concentrating on things that we're not talking about? <laughs> but Yeah. Why are you listening to what I say? I am. Just... Yeah, but you interrupt me with things that we're not talking about. There's just a little picture on Twitter of Kasai. I wish the people would stop leaking pictures because I know you're going to go, I want to see that. I want to see it too. You have to watch it on pay-per-view. Hmm. 
for those of you who don't yes new japan's drawing is really not going as well as they think they want it to this year it's no i mean they did outdraw them for the g1 uh only the first night of the g1 at eddie and the 2609 on the second night well then again this is a final so it's obviously going to be a bigger show but they're about neck and neck in osaka I mean, I suppose New Japan do go to Osaka Joe Hall, which is a bigger venue um, and therefore means bigger crowds. Now, this uh, technically had a massive like Osaka favorite match as well, though. So... True. Yeah. And, you know, Osaka crowds are intriguing, <laughs> to say the least. To ask Tetsuya Nato, he will tell you. <laughs> they love him. They hate him. They hate him again. Uh, anywho, but we're talking Noah, so we'll not talk New Japan people, except for the one person from New Japan who was on this show. Uh, My boy. Sorry? My boy. Yes, My he's boy. boy. We'll get to him in a bit. Let's just go old school. In fact, super crazy. Lost to Hijime Ohara in 9 minutes and 33 seconds in the opener. Um, it's like I did the realization that super crazy is actually the same age as me, which is worrying because i thought he was always older than me but when he was about 28 he looked about 48 he now looks younger than he did when he was 28 don't know what that's about uh but yeah a, a guy who's been going quite hard for 30 years now um he's um yeah he, he did all right in this and ohara nice to see him take the win it's nice to see they're using the veterans correctly in getting the younger guys over yeah, I, I guess. I I don't buy into O'Hara that much. No? No, plus there's all the creepy stories about him, which always put me off watching his matches, but it was cool to see Super Crazy. Yeah. It, it's been ages since I've last seen him in action. It's just... <laughs> I mean, yeah, he has been... He's a member of... Um... Peristomal at the moment as well, which means you're likely to see a lot more of him in Noah. I don't think he's a member of Peros in AAA, is he? He's just a member of Peros to help on. It certainly which... seems so. You don't really see him rocking Los Peros outside of Japan. Tag teams and stables. Uh... Oh no, he is in La Peros de Mal and has been since 2008. Shows what we know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Um, yeah, he has been a member of Paris de Mal's de Pal since 2008, so pretty much since it started then. Um, <laughs> whoopsie. Before that, he was a member of La Sociedad, which is Conan's um, uh, faction. This may be the greatest faction ever. Oh, oh, it's got some horrible factions in it. Right, this, just like, you know when you stumble across stuff, and I'm getting distracted now, but you've got to listen to this less than people in this in this um, this faction, right? Conan, Dorian Roldano, Perry Aguayo Jr., Jeff Jarrett, Chessman, Octagon, Hector Garza, Halloween, Silver King, Super Crazy, Ultimo Gladiator, Teddy Hart, Liz Mark Jr., Pete Powers, Tigracota, Tito Santana, Dark Dragon, Jennifer Blake, Sexy Star, Abyss, Karen Jarrett, Elhija de Torrantes, La Parquet, El Zorro, La Parker, Damien666, XY, Superfly, Hernandez, Alan Stone, Chris Stone, Billy Boy, Beastie666, Ellie Legal, Alex Kozlov, Christina Von Erie, Black Abyss, Psychosis, Kurt Angle, Rob Van Dam, Mr. Anderson, Samoa Joe, Scott Steiner, Magnus, Gunner, AJ Styles, D'Angelo, De Niro, 
uh, well, Pope, um, Rob Terry, Mickey James, Angelina Love, Velvet Sky, and Electroshock. What the actual clusterfuck? <laughs> that has to be Global Force Wrestling. Fucking that, that, that is a it was 2010, so it, yeah, it would have been Global Force and some impact action going on. That's a list of some of the best big names in independent wrestling and in gonna some utter trash. <laughs> yeah. Looking and... at you, Teddy Hart. Fuck off. <laughs> anyway, back to our work. Tag team next matchup next. Dake and Arbor and Jack Morris defeated Anthony Green and Stallion Rogers, which was a bit of a surprise because Anthony Green and Stallion Rogers are kind of a bit on the rocket ship at the minute. I like them and they've had popular and good results and they are kind of getting a big reaction in Japan. Though Jack Morris has been doing corking. From what I understand and reading my reviews of the N1, Jack Morris had some corking matches and is very popular with the Japanese fans. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, it was pretty enjoyable. I love seeing Anthony Green get treated like the star he should be. Jack Morris is pretty fucking good. Daiki Inaba, again, does what he does best. Yeah, it was just a nice group of like wrestlers having a nice wrestling match. Again, makes for a pretty decent opening match there. So yeah, I was slightly surprised that Green and Rogers took the loss. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, from what I understand it, like Morris has been like he was one of the standouts in the N1, which is pretty cool because he hasn't been wrestling for Noah for that long. Uh... This is his first tour. This is his first year. He's had eight matches, and that'll be they're all N1 matches. And let me see, he did. Uh... He won one, two. He won three out of the seven he had. That's pretty good. His first two is good. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty substantial. Hey, he beat Kiyomiya on the opening night. Lost to Satoshi Kojima. Lost to a car. Well, beat Akada. Lost to Nakajima. Lost to Segura. Um, but he went 16 minutes with Segura. That, yes, Jack Boris making hay while the sun shines, clearly. He's done something, right? Yeah. I, to be fair, it, of all the ICW graduates, he's probably doing quite better than most of the others, to be honest with you. Anywho, let us move on. Uh, Asushi Kutage, Siki Yoshiako, and Yohei of your hentai defeated Kai Fujimara and Sting Haita. Did you just say hentai? Hontai, not hentai. Hontai. Let's try that again. Hentai. <laughs> <laughs> hontai. Oh, not hentai. I had a like, bit of a bleh then. Let's try. I'm going to get a drink. Let me just open the drink. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, there we go. Right, ready. Let's do this again. That's since you got the J. Siki Yoshiako and Yohei of your hentai defeated Kai Fujimura and Stinger Hayati and Yui Susumi. What did you think of this one? Yeah, it was really fast, really fluid junior heavyweight action. Yoshioka was kicking the absolute shit out of people. <laughs> Ayata didn't seem to get much of a look in on this one. It was mainly Susumu and Fujimura who were getting all the ring time. Well, yeah. Actually, I never really saw much of him in this one. But, like, everyone was basically, again, doing what they do best for 13 minutes. It's It's hard not to sort of just sit back and take the ride with things like this. I mean, you know, the noticeably always calm Noah Junior heavyweight division where nothing untoward happens on a regular basis ever. Um, 
yeah, this is kind of setting up challenges for Hayata, really, isn't it? More than anything else, because Stinger rarely lose <laughs> as a team. They're always pretty handy. Um, so this was obviously Hayata has to have people to wrestle, and he's kind of gone through a lot of the roster, to be honest with you, including members of his own faction. So he needs new people to wrestle, which is fine, and that's what these matches are there for. Just give him, give him the New Japan visitor. That would be fun, even if he's not a junior. Great O'Khan. Yeah. He's like 80 pounds overweight for the junior heavyweight division. I don't care. Hayat <laughs> probably wouldn't care. <laughs> he doesn't even look like a junior heavyweight. He hasn't looked like a junior heavyweight. So I just want O'Khan versus the world at this point. I understand what you're saying, but you know, maybe Dookie would be a better choice. <laughs> I Dookie would pretty, probably be fun in the Noah division. I think that would be cool. And of course, there's the Peros kind of connection. He's going to go and kill my fake luchadors. Yeah, that's it. Or actual luchadors. He's got choices. He's got those options. That match with um, Al Linderman for the for the G-Rex. That belt. was great. That Holy was, shit, that was amazing. Work there. Yeah, so you want to listen to mine and Marcus's thoughts on that match, which arguably could be one of the matches of the year, to be honest with you. Um, we did the show a couple of weeks ago, and you should go listen to that, and you should go watch that match, because it's free on YouTube. It's like anyone who shat on jo- on Dorky can go and chalk on their opinions now. Like, holy shit. Talk about improvement. Talk about proving your worth. Oh, oh yeah. Did you see what the other match was on the, the, the fun match was on the um, Taka 30th anniversary show? I didn't, actually. I've only seen the main event. Well, was... pictures of the main event. Yoshitatsu tagging with... Um... Masuki Taguchi, that's it. It was Taguchi and Goto versus Taichi and um, Yoshitatsu. And wow. That's... Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they all had the same start year. Even though they started in different dojos, they all had the same start year. So they had was a match. Because where... it was a gif I saw earlier on Twitter and it was a case of just, oh, Bullet Club exists because... Finn Balor couldn't put up with this man's silliness, like yeah. shenanigans, and it's just Taguchi sort of continuously breathing in to make himself look muscular, and then just having a belly flop out again. Oh, he was doing the peck popping routine with Tai Chi, you see. Oh god, that won't have gone well. <laughs> well, eventually they all just turned on Yoshitatsu, and they did um, um, Goto and Yoshihashi's finisher on him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, tai Chi holding one leg, uh, Taguchi, uh, yeah, Taguchi holding the other leg, and um, Goto dropping the elbow. And someone this morning on Twitter said, um, "This is they're obviously not taking themselves seriously enough, and uh, this isn't proper wrestling because why is the person not defending himself? And this is just wrong." <sighs> I replied, "There's at least three hours of people trying to split each other's jaws open with forearms on the rest of this show." Please line up. Wee woo, wee woo, fun police, wee woo. Fucking <laughs> hell. It, it's like a given at this point. There's death, taxes, and people will bully Yoshitatsu. That's it. And he was on the receiving end. He was getting beaten up by his mates. It's like, it's like you've got three people from three different factions who can normally can't stand one another, but they all came together to hate Yoshitatsu. And can't we all agree on that? <laughs> Just bringing people together. Yeah, hard times. There you go. That's it. 
Anyway, let us move back on to what we were supposed to be talking about. Congo, Katsuku, Nakajima. Let's try again. Congo, Katsuoki Nakajima, Matsukatsu Funaki, and Shuji Kondo defeated Alejandro Masakatiyama and Mohamed Yone in 13 minutes and 14 seconds, uh, in which Yone was on the receiving end of some very, very stiff kicks from Nakajima. Well, everyone's but he also old. absolutely beat the shit out of people. Yes, they did. This was war. Yeah, Shuji Kondo was, was, also, was also supposed to be um, challenging Fayata's junior heavyweight championship and i'm like but shugi kondo's not really a junior heavyweight now is he lads he's a bit big for that <laughs> oh yeah hayata doesn't care he'll fight anyone no you just want him to fight anyone <laughs> oh man it was so yeah. good to see you on air back it was so it good is. to see you on air back yeah i i'm I'm still like Tanny. Why, why did Tanny give up on the on the Funky Express? I just like I I, I feel wronged somehow. It's kind of funny because you had Saito doing commentary at some point. Yeah. You had Taniguchi in the next match, and here's Yone in this one of the stiffest matches of the night because it had Nakajima, Fanaki, Kondo, and Yone in it. Like, holy shit, that's just excuse for someone to get hurt. Like, I felt sorry for Alejandro, because he kind of felt like the odd one out in this. Well, that's it. It's because it's like two heavyweights and a junior. Well, Kondo's the junior, and he's pretty much as big as Finaki, to be honest with you. Like, Kondo is about as much of a junior as I am. Yeah, it's because he's short. (laughs) And he gets away with it because he is just... You no, know, I can't even say that because I probably am junior weight. Eh, I'm a junior weight, but then again, I, I'm completely unfit. So there you go. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, a bit of a legendary tag match next as Shoei Taniguchi and Yoshiko Inamura went up against Takashi Sugiura and Satoshi Kojima and got their heads blown off in 13 minutes and 9 seconds. Kojima, in nowhere has been an absolute best bout machine for about the last four months. He's brilliant there. He's done amazing things this year, and he's had some of the best matches of any New Japan wrestler. They've just not been in New Japan. You know, you think about over the last 12 months, the match with John Moxley, um, the matches he's had in Noah, um, when he's been a guest anywhere else, he's been incredible. And it is just like, so what New Japan been doing with him? Just putting him in i mean he had the feud with okan and uh last year where he kind of raised his stock an awful lot but i do get the feeling he's kind of being a bit wasted in new japan i mean he may be just happy to take the paycheck and have a bit of a rest but <laughs> when you see him in matches like this you're like what were they doing with him because he still can go what's your thoughts on this one john yeah as you said this was bloody brilliant it's kojima's doing some of his best work and alongside sagira you've got two double-eyed veteran bastards beating the hell out of two other big men. It's just, again, it's it's dad violence <laughs> without with only half the dads. But it's it's hard not to, to sort of just, again, watch as people have their jaws. You there, John? You can't hear that background noise, right? No, I can't hear it. 
Right, it's all right. My dog's gone a bit hyper downstairs. Okay, you say. Yeah, it's like dad violence with like half the dads and still like all the jaws getting knocked off. It's just great fun. Like seriously great fun. Um, he also had a really good tournament as well. He won uh, block B matches. He got he lost to Segura. He beat Okada. He beat Morris. He beat Masa Kitamiya, which is no mean feat in the current form that Kitamiya's in. Beat Funaki. Lost to Nakajima. And then lost to Kiyomiya on the last night. Uh, Kiyomiya, Kiyomiya won the block. So, because obviously we saw him later on <laughs> in the show. In... I think Noah just wants to keep Kojima around. So they keep giving him a decent number of wins. So that obviously he keeps... It's like keeping him sweet, but like he gives them back just as much because the matches he's had have been incredible. He's not slouched at all. He's well, yeah, because he knows he's not going to get like the the kind of rub. He, he's not going to get the kind of rub here in New Japan or even in AEW. Really, let's be honest. He can have great matches with people like Moxley, but he's not going to win. Um, but he can have like good matches here and do meaningful stuff for the company, which he just can't do in his own promotion. That's not his fault, just the way it is. Yeah, and he's he's making the absolute most of it, which you'll love to see. Because if That's there's any, there's nothing worse than a wrestler fawning it in. True, and he's the only well, um, one of the very few people, one of the only two people <laughs> to have won the Triple Crown, the GHC. And the IWGP Heavyweight Championships and the NWA World Heavyweight title. Um, him and Kiyoji Muto are the only two people to have done that. There you go. Uh, Dragon Bane and Alpha Wolf had a match that was 18 minutes and 20 seconds long. <laughs> it was very long. It was I long. I feel like we shouldn't be recording these so late in the evening anymore. Well, it was long. <laughs> oh, it was. It, it certainly felt it at times, but like it was fun. It was fun. I'm not knocking it, but 18 minutes and 20 seconds in the middle of the card when you've got so much more meat to come was a bit much for my tastes. Yeah, this this could have been this could have done with being about the uh, 13 minutes. Yeah, because no, it, it, it sometimes it felt like they were running out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's that is the trouble. Is like you don't necessarily need for things to have like long matches to be good. You know, the, the classic example, great to use Meltzer as an example, but this makes perfect sense. Brad Armstrong and Jushin Liger had a five-star match on Nitro one night, which was just booked, that was just called in the ring because they didn't have time to book it. It was just made on the spot. And Meltzer gave it five stars because he said it was the best matches he ever saw because it did exactly what it was supposed to do. And it was only five minutes long. But it was perfect. Absolutely perfect. But it's Brad Armstrong and Justin Lager. Those two could never have a bad match. If you blindfolded them and tied the rounds behind the back, they'd figure out how to do it. But, you know, that's the whole point. And there's nothing wrong with this match. You've got 7.25 from the, from the cage match users, but it was long, in my opinion. You have it, a different opinion? To a degree. I enjoyed it, but I always do love, like, really fast-paced Lucha Libre shenanigans. But I must admit, even I was flagging by the end of this one. It was just kind of like... Uh, I feel like, yeah, you could have taken a few minutes off this one. Um, Right then, move on to the next, which was a 10-man tag team act. Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. 
someone, I can't remember who's in line was complaining that name was too long. It should just be Dr. Wagner Jr. Jr. Or El Hijo del Hell Hijo, Dr. Wagner. Anyway, but he's the son of Dr. Wagner Jr., not the son of Dr. Wagner. That was Dr. Wagner Jr. Um, Kezuki Fujiati, Fujita, Fujita. Fujita, the absolute Fujita. god. There we go. And Kendo Kachin and Timothy Thatcher defeated Goshi Ozaki, Masayaki Mochizuki, Masato Tanaka, and Naimuchi Marafuji in 18 minutes and 28 seconds. See, this didn't drag. This went around like a fair old clip. And interestingly, it was Timothy Thatcher, wasn't it, who got the win over Goshi Ozaki, which was a bit of a surprise in my book. They nearly tore his bloody arm off. <laughs> Why? Thatcher doesn't muck about, does he? Let's be honest. Thatcher is in, in his happy place at the moment. Like... <laughs> Because he just gets to, he gets to be himself. Oh, he doesn't have to put on a show. He doesn't have to change anything up. It's just go out there, tie people in knots, and be a double hard bastard. <laughs> he does remind me of Billy Robinson so much. Just that kind of attitude and the way he grew up, holds himself in the ring. He is. I mean, there's plenty of people who wrestle Billy Robinson style now. You know, Zack Sabre Jr. to an extent. Brian Danielson is the probably the closest, but he's kind of like Danielson's kind of closer to Dory Funk Jr. in his kind of approach. But Thatcher is just one of those guys. He's kind of like an old school British wrestler in that sense. He's a bit like Pete Roberts, and he's a bit like uh, Billy Robinson and Steve Regal in the, in that kind of Lancastrian style. And he wrestles like that more than anyone else does. Dave Finley a lot as well. It reminds me of him. But yeah. I still think the wildest thing for me is Timothy Thatcher wrestled death matches in trunks and boots. Of course he did, because why else would you do that? I've seen him in at least two death matches and both times trunks and boots. Yeah. Because it's a wrestling match. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's... Oh, God. There's a lot of name value in this match, isn't it? There is. There is there's big names in this match from all over the world. You know, it's it's just really good. You know, it's like former IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champions, GHC Heavyweight Champions, ECW World Heavyweight Champions. Yeah, it's just insane. Are we saying that M's Alliance is definitely over then? <laughs> it certainly feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah, I think we're done. Because Tanaka, Michizoku, and Marafuji are still tagging. Um, but the other one left, didn't he? I can't remember who was the one who left. I mean, Goshi Ozaki doesn't have an M in it. No, it's true. So they're just kind of floating. I was Mootery left, wasn't it? Mo um yeah, he left. So oh, I thought you were doing a bit. I didn't realise you genuinely forgot. No, I hadn't, no. I there was but there was somebody else as well who left and I can't remember who it was. But yeah, they kind of just faded into in existence, unfortunately. Um but yeah, no, this was cracking. Really enjoyed it. It was good. Shall we move on? Sure, because there's only so many times I can gush about just how violent Kazuyuki Fujita is. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Ridgway and Yoshinori Ogawa defeated Las Porras de Maldapon. Aita and Katora Suzuki, 19 minutes and 24 seconds. Last time we saw these two teams wrestle, it was a non-title match, and it was a mugging from Aita and Katora Suzuki. Ogawa and Ridgway get their revenge <laughs> in a big way. And uh, this was like technical science of tag team wrestling. Ridgway and Ogawa going in hard and heavy against Aita to start with. So Suzuki was isolated on the tag rope and then it was back and forth like that. And it was vicious and stiff and not really a junior heavyweight match at all. It was much more like a heavyweight match with just smaller guys. 
there wasn't anywhere near as much aerial stuff in this as you'd expect, especially with something like Aita in the match. But it was just a grind them out tag team match. I really enjoyed it for what it was. I know a lot of people wouldn't enjoy it because it isn't like flippy, flippy junior heavyweight wrestling. But I kind of like this, just kind of grind and science and trying to get a win. And that was a story told, which I enjoyed. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, it was a bit of a change of pace after a lot of the sort of stuff we'd seen leading up to it. There was a lot of intensity, a lot of heat, a lot of story. Not as much flying and showmanship. It was all, as you said, it was pretty scientific with Ata still throwing in some of his usual bullshit, which is hard not to enjoy. Yeah. Kotaro Suzuki is awesome, though, as well. I have to mention that because he is. Just it's is. ridiculous how many different companies I've seen Kotaro Suzuki in across so many different years, and he just doesn't age and he doesn't falter. <laughs> He was no. great in like 2003 MLW and he's still great in 2022 Noah. It's bloody ridiculous. How many companies does he actually work for? Let's have a look here. It's a lot. He's 44 years old. He spent most of his career from 2001 to 2012 with Noah. He went over to World Japan as part of the burning exodus. And then he came back to Noah in 2019 with the guys when the guys who owned Gleet bought out Noah and then sold Noah to Cyberfight. Um, and then they started Cleet. So, yeah. Um, he's He's been around. He's wrestled for All Japan. He's wrestled for Kaintai, New Japan, IPW in the UK. <laughs> There's a company for you. <laughs> <laughs> Ring of Honor, AAA, um, even uh, Wrestling Extreme Entertainment, World Entertainment Wrestling in 2003, which is the follow-up promotion to uh, FMW. FMW Revival, uh, Chosento Peroso for FMW in 2017. He's been around. He's done it all. And other unpronounceable indie names in, ban- in Japan. J-Stage, PPP Tokyo, Japanese Indies. <laughs> Amazing. But anyway, let us move on. The semi-final featured Kongo, Keno, Manubi Soya, and Tadasuke. Going up against Great Okan, Great Muta, and Nosayo Rongai. 22 minutes and 13 seconds of your shenanigans. <laughs> is all I can say about this. And once again, Tadasuke gets hung out to dry by his teammates. And they leave him in there with Great Okan. And it all goes horribly wrong for Tadasuke. I must admit, the second I saw Tadasuke in the match, I was like, right, well, Congo will lose them. It's never his fault. They're always leaving him in there with some big dumb heavyweight. <laughs> it's like, why, what are you doing? I thought you were supposed to be like tactical like geniuses that always win by nefarious means of being smarter than the other people. But no, you always leave Tadasuke in there by himself. Sorry. What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the narrative? I feel sorry for him because he's lovely. I just I just find it hilarious. Like every Japanese company does this as well. Like if the team's got a junior on it, guess who's dying? I thought wrong guy would. I honestly thought wrong guy being the booker <laughs> would guy could just like well I can't win, obviously. But no <laughs> I mean he's on he's on the team with the great Muta and the great Orkan. You can't can't let that those two greats take an L now, can you? 
Now, the massively costly guest that we've got, we probably best not lose. <laughs> well, Khan looked like he was having a blast in this, though. I did. This was this was he was he was in his element. None of this being held down by um, Osprey in this one. <laughs> He's not being held down by Osprey, but um, yeah, he he was center stage the night before. Wrong guy, uh, Muta and Okan had gone out for dinner together uh, to discuss tactics. I can't imagine what that was like. Um, and then um, they had a pretty good match with Congo. But again, Tadis Kale hung out to dry. Not fair. Carry on. I did love how Orkan was like, right, I know people don't like me here, so I'm going to be as big a dickhead as possible. And he just got on so well with it. They still and... love it. <laughs> oh, of course. It, it's hard not to love a guy who's a legitimate hero. True. Absolutely true. Just speaking on the United Empire, though, it, it's been fun watching Gideon Gray in Japan. It has. I'm so glad he got to Japan because he's been so good for so long uh, from various different companies, and he's been kind of a backbone of RPW, and I'm really glad he got to go. He is, and... like, one of the most menacing yet somehow still comedic people in wrestling. Like, you get both sides of, like, the pantomime villain with Gideon Gray. You do, absolutely. And he will never fail to tell you that he can get her once. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's a really cool wrestler. Always been very pleasant to me online. Always love talking to him when I've had a chance. And um, he's really, really cool. Studying his master's degree. I'm not sure if he finished yet. I never got a chance to ask him. But yeah, he's a really cool dude. I'm really very happy that he got a chance to go to Japan. But back to the action in the ring. Keno tried to set his leg on fire again. <laughs> he does this every time he's against Muta now and it just it didn't work because Muta was like here's a fireball in your face here's some mist and then shining wizards all around there you go for a man with no knees he does use them very well it's because he's probably got metal in him it's like oh he's on his second knee replacement they've told him that after this knee replacement that's the reason why he's retiring actually because he's had one knee replacement he's getting knees replaced again I believe and the doctors have said no more. So we have given you all the knees we are going to give you, sir. <laughs> yeah, true story. That's pretty much it. Um, but yeah, I still don't get how Anita's going without having any replacements, unless the answer I don't know about them. But like, you'd think being blown up that much is the thing. And you think about it. And there's about I've had this theory before. All those deathmatch guys, we've only had a couple of them that have unfortunately passed away earlier than perhaps they should have done. But the majority of them have hung around. And the big kind of names we know who have shortened lifespans have come from all Japan and the 90s all Japan stuff. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that though FMW was pretty horrific on bodies as far as star tissue is concerned, they weren't taking that many big bumps. Because it was all about the explosions and the barbed wire of electricity and stuff. So I think, if you look at, like, Cactus Jack is a, the perfect example. Cactus Jack's big injuries came in WCW when he was being hurled around by Ron Simmons and Van Vader. But actually, his injuries in, in IWA were relatively minimal. They're all kind of like skin surface stuff. He wasn't, like, getting backdropped on the top of his head by, like, um, Steve Williams in, in All Japan, was he? So, you know... Sure. That's 
that's kind of a thought process for me. Is like I don't think he needed Anita took that much damage, and he had enough sense to take time off when he needed to, which is also something a lot of wrestlers needed to do more of. You know, people argue that Ricky Steamboat would have been like a ten-time world champion if he'd stuck around more. It's like, yeah, but he's got his own knees and he can walk properly. He's not several foot shorter. No, exactly. That's the thing. It's like, and he always took time off at the right time. And I mean, it cost him. I mean, like, obviously, the reason why he lost the Intercontinental Championship to the Onky Tonk Man was because he asked for time off. And you just didn't do that in the 80s. You kept going. And he wanted to spend some time with his kid. <laughs> and they were like, no, How dare been... you want to spend time with your family? How dare you cost me money by being nice to your child? Don't miss Vince McMahon, gotta say. Anyway, that was your semi-main event. We all kind of we have meandered a lot today. I hope you're enjoying the show. I am. It's fun. We're recording <laughs> it very late because I had internet issues and timing issues and Yeah. Yeah. We both both had like long days as well. So we're kind of like we normally do this. We only normally start this half an hour earlier on a Sunday, but I haven't done the whole day. Um <laughs> And you had the you had the epic two hour podcast we did with Chelsea um, from Sunday anyway, so you've had plenty of entertainment this week. Anyway, main event: the N one victory final. Hideki Suzuki, Kato Kiyomiya, thirty three minutes and twenty three seconds of an exceptional professional wrestling match, which was the story of the grind it out veteran going up against the rising star, and the rising star takes a big win, the biggest win of his career so far, I think and gets himself another step closer to Keno and that GHC heavyweight championship. And we'll talk about this in a minute. We'll talk about the match first. But it does strike me as Noah seemed to have got themselves back on track with young champions and young challengers when a year ago they won't put the belt on anyone who was under 40 uh, to the detriment of the championship. But... Let's talk about the match first. Kato Kiyomiya versus Hideki Suzuki. Mr. Dinsdale, your thoughts, please. Yeah, this was brilliant. Like, I love Hideki Suzuki. I love his style of grappling, his very catchy can background, and it felt like the perfect sort of foil to the more explosive side of Kiyomiya. It was a very sort of chess game of a match with a lot of sort of rises and falls, and it was like your perfect main event sort of run to end a tournament. Kiyomiya has gone back to the supernova look and he was showing off the sort of stuff he's taken on from on being under Muta's wing and yeah it's just all meshed very well for a match that apparently was 33 minutes didn't feel <laughs> it <laughs> well did not it just zipped along you know Suzuki's the perfect wrestler to make this match work because he isn't he's the opposite of Kiyomiya in the sense of why do two flips when an armbar will do kind of wrestler. That doesn't mean he's boring by any stretch of the imagination. But he's just direct. And Kiyomiya is anything but direct. And this is really kind of completes the story. If you go back to January and um, Wrestle Kingdom in Yokohama where Kiyomiya tagged with Muta against Tanahashi and Okada. That was the dream match. The match they wanted. Well, not really. Kiyomiya just wanted Okada. <laughs> But Kiyomiya was lying in a heap on the floor after a Rainmaker, and Okada stands up over him and says, it's not that you lose, it's what you do afterwards. Now get up. 
and that's the story we ended here. He is the N1 Victory Champion, and he looks like the N1 Victory Champion, whereas back in January, he did not look like a champion at all. He looked like he was out of his depth. And that's a brilliant way to tell a story. It's quite wild, isn't it? Timothy Thatcher and Hideki Suzuki both got released from WWE not that mm. long ago, and they've both flourished in their like own environment again. Of course they did. Because like, they've always been that good. It's just getting people to see that they're that good. It's like Suzuki just has that. He has the perfect style, as you said. It just it blends nicely into almost any type of match. And, you know, for a fact, behind the scenes, he's probably helping like a lot of the Noah roster patch up any holes in their arsenal. Yeah, that's it. You know, and it, it, it's making them like, you know, this show feels more complete. There weren't as many bangers on this show as previous shows we've looked at. The main event was a proper banger, but it's not fireworks, it's better story. Everything on this card meant something, stuff happened, which isn't always been when we've looked at Noah stuff in the last year. Not necessarily has stuff happened, stuff's happened, but not with a reason. But everything there's a reason here. Like Kiyomiya wins this toilet. Sorry, Kiyomiya wins this toilet. Kiyomiya wins this tournament. And um, this reminded me that I need toilet paper on the way home. Uh, Kiyomiya wins this tournament. And it completes that story from January. The story won't be totally complete until you get to uh, Keno. And it'll be interesting to see if he beats Keno for the GHC Heavyweight Championship. And wouldn't that be a wonderful time for Okada to come back? Uh, Keno said he wants to be Muta's last match. Uh, Muto's last match. Yes, and he basically all but volunteered himself. He's like... <laughs> yeah, he did, and that's going to happen at the Tokyo Dome. Jesus, that's going to have some reception. Yes, well, I'm not sure if it's going to be part of the New Japan show, but they said they were going to do it at the Tokyo Dome, so I assume it was that because. Noah probably could do quite well at the Tokyo Dome, but they're not going to get more than 10,000, are they? And they could do that at Budokan without having all the fuss and expense. Mm. So I'm not sure. I'm wondering if this year's King Wrestle Kingdom is winding up to be a massive cross-promotional effort. It would certainly be like the culmination of all this sort of missionary work they've been doing with other companies. Yeah, I mean, it's not just Noah. Tiger Mask has been the All Japan World Junior Heavyweight Champion for the most best part of the summer. Um, obviously, the stuff that's been going on in Glate. Um, and it's also it's All Japan's 50th anniversary as well, you know. And they've been doing 50th anniversary stuff this year too. People forget that actually New Japan's the older company of the two. All <laughs> <laughs> Japan didn't start until later in that year. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just... I think that they want New Japan do kind of like on a wrestling. They don't just on a New Japan pro wrestling. I think that's the big thing for maybe for Western fans don't quite understand that New Japan likes wrestling, not necessarily New Japan style wrestling. Um, and therefore, All Japan had great champions. We like to celebrate them. And, you know, there was a while ago they were talking about all the old war stuff, the um, Jinichiro Tenry's promotion was going to be on New Japan World, which would be really cool if they bought the licenses for that. It'd be really cool if they bought the FMW library as well. Just saying. 
<laughs> my dream library i want i want the war stuff i want all of the all japan stuff all of the noah stuff <laughs> but you're not likely to get everything because everything is it's not as simple as like wwe owns all their own stuff because they've always shot their own stuff whereas like all Japan stuff was shot by Nippon TV in the 80s until they lost in the 90s, and then it was shot by Gaiora in the 2000s. So it's not easy to just get a complete library of everything because you've got to negotiate with two or three different TV companies, and they may not want you to have it. And yeah, it's difficult. Whereas you know, New Japan's kind of been they kind of independent and they shot a lot of their own stuff rather than being involved with the TV show. You wouldn't be surprised. We, we could do an entire podcast on like the involvement of Japanese television companies in pro wrestling. Because like Nippon TV owned ten percent of all Japan pro wrestling, I think, at one point. Anyway, let's get back to the fallout of this match. Keita Kiyomiya is your um, N one final victory winner. What's your th- what's your thoughts about him and Keno? Yeah, the Let's face it, the last time those two met, it was a very vicious match with a very definitive ending. So it'll be interesting to see if Kiyomiya can take this sort of tournament run and turn it into something more. Solid. And not get his head kicked in this time. True. I think that's the issue. And I think it is. it would be a good way for Kiyomiya to get back to the title and be having slayed some dragons to get there. And then he can stand on top of his company. Um, and if they want to do something with Okada sometime next year, it, it all depends on what we're going to get with, um, you know, with your, with your Wrestle Kingdom main event, doesn't it? So that's going to be intriguing. I think the scariest thing will be if we ever see fucking Ken or Smile. <laughs> that's when we know something's gone wrong. He just loses and all of a sudden he cracks a smile and we're like, right, Keno has lost it. That's it. Get your balloons. It's a broken Okada situation. <laughs> Keno has started smiling. Oh, uh, that might that might be bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anywho. Right. Well, that pretty much covers the N1 Victory 2022 final. Next week, we'll be looking at Glate, we think. I have to sort that out. I've got to talk to the crew. But I think Marcus will want to look at Glate. I have this in my mind because he loves Glate. Glate had become his new ring of honor. <laughs> so I think we'll be looking at Glate next week. Have a go listen back to me and Chelsea talking about CM Punk. Have a listen to the Rewind, which looks at both Castle, uh, Clash of the Castle and uh, AW All Out and the fallout of Punk. Um, you know, having a bowel movement of awfulness on national international television um and yeah have a good time enjoy yourselves have a good week john where can we find you on the internet sir you can find me at twitter user john deathman that is the gate to hell that will lead you to all my writings ramblings opinions and you can find me on patreon at deathmatch digest that is a bi-weekly look into the world of death matches featuring different companies matches time periods the newest one went up about two maybe three hours ago now looking at one hell of a strong style fight with a load of glass between abdullah kobayashi and shuji ishikawa it's a very low price of entry if you love deathmatch stuff i am curating my own cabinet of curiosities (laughs) 
You can find me at Star on Twitter. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, The Troopany Show, and on Patreon, where you can keep The Troopany Show free forever for everyone. You can find us on all the great places. You can find podcasts from like Stitcher and SoundCloud and iTunes and Podbean, if you must. Take care. We'll speak to you next week. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.